Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End. It is the uh, beginning of October, international break, and uh, we're here on a Friday night. Uh, have a bit of fun. My name is John. With me is Mike. Hi. Uh, Jordy. Hello. And Jason. Yo. Uh, we're at the end yeah. of Yo. Well, I, I couldn't do hello or hi because you'd already nabbed them two. And I know Jordy gets very precious when I go for the same <laughs> thing as him. If we, remember from, if we remember from the last podcast, so I, I had to go for something different. Jason's got a very sort of low-cut V-neck T-shirt on as well. He's sort of rocking very much a boy band look, and he's uh, obviously got the lingo to go with it. Nice one, Jason. <laughs> we are at the end of uh, another month, which is the weird thing about this is uh, a month of what for football now is four games. <laughs> it's not six games, it's not eight games, it's only for No, but I'm missing football. I haven't had enough Watford yet. It doesn't. I still, in some ways, it doesn't feel like the, the season has quite started. But we've had uh, two wins, uh, one loss and one draw. Uh, Newcastle, uh, Swansea at home, Newcastle away, uh, and then Palace at home with the draw of the loss, the uh, only home loss, and then a draw away at Bournemouth. So we're going to, we're sort of, let, let, let's see, see where we're feeling. Mike, how do you feel about those four games? Happy. I think that really, um, in a nutshell, is what I want the rest of the season to be like. A couple of wins, a draw and a defeat. We're always going to get defeats in, in these little um, four-game periods, I think, I assume. If not, then then great. But I think if we can carry on delivering those sort of results and those sort of performances, um, I think I'm looking at Newcastle and Swansea in particular because I think we played really well there, um, then, yeah, I think I'll be happy. Win-win. Uh, lost draw for the rest of the year and uh, I think everyone would be happy wouldn't they? Are you happy with the, who the the loss was against Palace? Not not against the big clubs. I was I was very impressed by Palace. I I thought um that they are some they're a team that we should be looking at, at emulating in terms of um how we progress as a football club and I think the way they go forward very quick um I think the thing that Watford lack a little bit to a degree is when we when we've got possession and when we do move forward, you don't move necessarily forward with, with enough purpose. And I think that's what Palace did very, very well. You know, there's there's lots that you can make all the jokes you like about Zaha and the, and the guys going down too easily. I did think Dwight Gale was an absolute disgrace that game. I thought he was a whiny little so-and-so. But the, by the by, they kind of earn their, earn their free kicks and all the penalties because they get the ball, they attack defenders at pace, and that's the first time... I've seen uh, Mr. Neom look uh, anything like perturbed this season, which was ironic because I did a preview with, with some Palace fans and said, they said, oh, who's, who's the best person to look out for? I said, oh, you wait till you see Neom, you won't believe him, he'll burn past you, he'll be marauding forward, he's tough at the back. But he had a really, really, really tough game and I think that sums up how good Palace were really because he's evidently really, really decent. So we're going to lose those games. We were never out of it. A draw would have been a fair result. If Watford had nicked it one 0 you wouldn't have been surprised. But um, there's going to be those games on the margin. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not too upset about losing. I'm disappointed we lost, but it, to, to, you've got to give Palace their, their dues. That's exactly what we should be, we should be looking to do. Jace, how's your uh, have your emotions changed uh, over those four games? Well, one, yes, they did change. I started off obviously with with the two wins early on. Very pleased to get that first win. Um, probably touched with an element of surprise. Getting that win away at Newcastle, oh, we know they're having a bad run, but it's still a difficult place to go. Uh, it felt like we were going to be the team that would, yeah, that's yeah, classic Watford or typical Watford would have been the tweets, you know. But no, we went up there and got a win, so and that raised expectations, I think, for the for the following two games. So that sort of almost brought me back down to to earth a bit. I think the last two games, um, 
he's sort of going into the Palace one thinking, well, if we can win at Newcastle and we can beat Swansea at home, then we should be able to beat Palace at home easily. And then even after that defeat, you then go to Bournemouth and with their injuries, um, you then sort of think, well, yeah, we, we should be able to get a win there. We're a lot better than we were this time last year and we'll probably have 11 men on the pitch for longer than uh, than we did in the, in the in the game last year which wasn't too difficult to achieve um and you think yeah we can we can go there and win and it obviously it didn't pan out like that and the performance itself was was disappointing regardless of what the result ended up to be so yeah so i went from nervous before the four games to pleased after two games to slightly disappointed after the last two but i think overall Seven points out of 12. You've got to be happy looking at the bigger picture, I think. Okay. Yeah, very happy there, Jordy. How about you? Yeah, obviously, I think the guys have touched on it. Seven points out of four games is going to see us achieve what we need to achieve this season. I think this particular group of four, there wasn't any anyone ready to give us a whip in. We've got like, Arsenal in the next one. We've got Man City in the previous one. You know, this one was almost, uh, it, 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 as it turned out, one goal each way or a draw all the way through. And I think, I think these are the games where we need to make sure we don't, we pick up as many points, if not more, than we lose. So we're not giving points away. I think like Jace, I think, you know, getting back-to-back wins in the Premier League for the first time in, was it 216 years or something like that? Um, that's obviously uh, an, like an, another objective we've achieved. I think we've got through another set of four games without being cast adrift at the bottom, which is always hard to recover. So that's good. Again, like, like Jace was saying, the first two games of wins, very nice. Palace, to be honest, I didn't come out... When Watford lose, I'm always in a bad mood. Um... But I didn't feel it was an injustice losing to Palace. I felt they deserved their win. I thought they, tactically, they were very good. I think um, we had almost found a solution. If you remember going back a bit, we had uh, Igalo up front. Sorry, Dini up front in his own kind of lost. And Igalo were in the number 10 role, not knowing what to do. And we found a solution which worked at Newcastle. And immediately, we kind of learned a lesson of the Premier League that you can find a solution, but you're being watched. And Palace knew exactly what to do. And they said, well, if we want to stop Igalo, we've got to stop Dini. And we can stop Dini by putting a big centre-back and a defensive midfielder in front of him. And, he, and then we've sorted the problem out. And I think that shows the need for kind of a, a dynamism in, in our team and adapt, adaptation to circumstances. My only, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be not, not critical, because that's the wrong word, but if I'm going to be like demanding, um, it's going to Bournemouth, um, having lost Wilson to injury, lost Mings and lost Gradle, arguably they are a little bit worse than the team that, that won the league last year because they've lost their centre-forward. And we've spent a lot of money replacing the team that finished a point behind them. And I know that we've started the season with quite a relatively kind of defence-led approach. But my question is, could we have could we have said to Bournemouth, we know you like to pass it around, we know you're under a bit of pressure, we know you've lost your big stri- your main striker, we're going to get in your faces from the off. First 20 minutes, can we get a couple of goals? Because if we can, we know we can sharp shot. And we didn't, but we still let in a goal to Glenn Murray. <laughs> which is frustrating and we only really um, obviously someone was talking to Boric about assists and he decided he wanted to get in on it and obviously it's another example um, to see Igalo's dance move that he must do I mean he, the guy must be a really good dance because against Everton he left Stones and Jagielka on their backsides <laughs> and then he did it to Boric and, and if you watch it again he doesn't really do that much of a dummy it's not like he's he ever exaggerates it and it's just like a little swish and then it's in the back of the net and the guy the guy is I mean he's he's stone cold yeah. You know, he he just doesn't he doesn't go. Oh my god, one and one. Everyone's watching me. He goes, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, what I do. He, he makes it look easy, doesn't he? That's the thing. He makes it look easy, and that's why he's such a good footballer. Yeah, I think, but, I think there's two things. Um, picking up on on Bournemouth, I think 
what actually got us going for for a brief little period was a little. I don't know if for those of you there, you remember it, and if you were watching, perhaps on a illicit stream, perhaps um, not not pointing at anyone apart from everyone. Uh, anyway, and uh, so what happened was, um, and it's, we could we could see it quite clearly. It's right down in front of us. But Glenn Murray sort of claimed to have been caught by Kapoor. He said he'd raked his studs down his his calf. I don't know whether he did or not. There's probably something in it. But then in the very, very next passage of play, Glenn Murray came thundering in. And as I think he was actually lucky not to get got yeah. sent off. I think he, he should, if, if that was at Watford or, or another big club or away from home, I think he would have been sent off. If he'd have connected like he meant to, he certainly would have been sent off. But that's got, actually got Watford going a little bit. And Watford looked like they might, might, might make some inroads. And that, that goes to what Geordie was saying. To get amongst them. Disrupt them. And... and I was I was going to pull both Jason and Geordie up on for being a little bit flat after that run of results because thinking about it, and Geordie said, "Oh, we haven't been cut adrift at the bottom." It's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. We're we're nicely nestled in in mid table, and the others the others that are getting cut adrift, they're the ones that at this stage have to worry. So I think if if we're not positive about that little run, then we're probably doing what for the disservice. But that said, the last game of that little run, the Bournemouth game, was very very disappointing. The first half in particular. We we just didn't get going at all. It was very very flat, and it ended up being actually quite flat in the in the stands as well. Um, and it did take the Boric error to to get back into it, and that little Murray incident to get them going. And we started the second half a lot better, I think. You know, Watson hit the hit the bar, and we did have a few chances. Uh, Ketchy had a few um, decent runs, and possibly should have done better with the header and occasions where we should have shot, but. Yeah, I think there's there's still a lot for this Watford team to learn and Flores to learn about different clubs and different ways we're going to be met and treated in uh, in each game. Let's uh, have a chat about uh, what we're going to do about that going forward, how we're going to possibly get some more goals than the, the ones that we've scored. Uh, we'll have to chat about the, uh, the, the, the the squad and we've had a, the boys around for a while now and we've seen a few, we've not seen a few and there's been some comments about a few. Plus, we're going to have a chat with Lana Burney, the Watford author of uh, Tales from the Rookeridge 4. It wouldn't be uh, from the Rookeridge season or run up to Christmas without us speaking to Lionel about his latest book. And uh, that's coming up in this episode of From the Rookeridge. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the Rookery end. How do we score more goals? Mike, What's uh, we've scored goals. I'm not saying we've, we haven't scored any, but it feels less than last year. And is it enough? Well, it's definitely less than last year, but I think there's there's a wider issue here that some, there seems to me there's like two camps of Watford supporters at the moment. One one side is the the camp who's very happy at where we're at. Um, basically, we're winning the games we need to win. We're getting we're picking up points and we're getting results and we're in mid table and that's the be all and end all. And it does seem to be a group of other supporters who are a little bit agitated perhaps a little bit nervous about the number of goals we're scoring because as you rightly say we're not scoring anywhere near the amount of goals we scored last year which is no great surprise but we really are scoring there's a paucity of of goals isn't there so I think the first point I think that my starting point is that we're fine as it stands we're absolutely fine because if we carry on with this win-win draw loss and only scoring you know three goals in the process it's absolutely fine yeah, but it feel... we'll stay up, if we stay up with 35 goals and enough points, I'll be as happy as anyone. <laughs> yeah, but it'll... It's not as yeah. much fun. No, not, not but... necessarily fun. Just a little bit more... Well, cope, You cope with it a little bit better if there's a I few bump, more... Uh, I bumped into a Watford... Goals. Um, uh, 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 well, a member of the Watford staff, actually, at, uh, uh, on Saturday. And he said, it's brilliant, isn't it? Because every game is like a... A conundrum. Every game is a little. It's almost like a riddle. You don't know how it's going to happen. Whether there's going to be loads of chances. Whether it's going to be one goal that does it. Every game is a new 
challenge. I think every game at the moment is exciting for Watford, regardless of the fact we're probably not going to win 5-0. Do you know what I mean? Am am Are we alone in that, in thinking that every game is... The fact that it's so delicately balanced due to the way we're set up and due to the, the way we're not scoring, makes it every game almost like... It's almost like a cup final. They are, and yeah, even if you look at the first couple of home games as a as an example of that, the West Brom game, we were... Every shot was from about 30 yards out and we were we were shooting on sight, weren't we? And then Southampton, we're trying to pass it back in and we did get a couple of really good chances to score from about six yards and less out. So yeah, they alone are just two very different examples of how we've approached the uh, effort of trying to score a goal. Geordie, I think goals, uh, yeah. where are they going to come from? Well, hopefully players in yellow and black. Um, <laughs> I'll take own goals. Yeah. I'll take them. But, but I think that's the point. We're looking at the goals and, and Mike touched on you know the, the whether it matters if we don't improve our goal scoring. Because last season everyone says, oh, you know, you, you know we're banging in goals left, right and centre. No, we're not. But last year we were conceding. Mm. as well and we're not and we're playing at a much higher level so you know there's there's a balance to be had and yes it'd be nice if we got more goals but we can't go gung-ho in this division because mm. you don't you don't get the, you don't get the ball back straight away to have another attack and teams aren't scared of us you know i think bournemouth may be suffering from that a bit where last season they could just basically steamroll anyone and now they're they're finding it harder interesting point you raise there geordie talking about bournemouth um yeah, <laughs> but but we can we can almost use that. We we talk about yeah going from championship to to Premier League and having to be a bit more careful. When Bournemouth got promoted from League One, and they were very similar. They they when they got promoted, they scored loads of goals. Um, and if you look at, I think particularly their away record, I think they conceded quite a lot as well in that promotion season. And they tried to carry on playing the same way at the start of the championship. And we all remember their first away game in the championship because they tried to play against us that way and we absolutely tore them apart and we won 6-1. And we weren't even that good that season, were we? Let's be honest, we, we weren't very good that season. That was, yeah, that was probably the only decent game we had under under Zola. It went wrong from there on in. Um, and I think Bournemouth in the end finished a, a place above us like they did last season. Uh, I do apologise, you'd, you'd got over that, hadn't you? Yeah, so that as an example, you cannot go... From I think from one division up to the next one, and expect to play the same way and get away with it because, and obviously the higher you go, the more likely it is that you get picked off. So going from Championship to Premier League, it will be very difficult to go gung ho like you say, Geordie, and 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 not suffer the consequences. That said, though, well, I think we've created chances, and we I think we're we've been watching a bit of the England game earlier on, and I think we just said hit it, hit it, hit it, and I think and we've watched Arsenal do it, and we're. Almost a little feels a little bit like we're Arsenal light. I mean, that's, that's no bad thing to be seeing some you know nice nice movement of the, of the ball around in and around the penalty area. But there have been times this season, probably in every game, where someone should have just hit it. I mean, there was one um, away at Newcastle. I think it was Gerardo who had a, a perfect opportunities inside the box, had a decent angle, should have just walloped it. And and I think Troy suffered from it a little bit. He's had opportunities to shoot when, when perhaps last year he would uh, he would have done and hasn't. And so whilst I don't want to be overcritical and I don't, don't want to panic too much about, about not scoring, it is, I think, like winning. It is a bit of a habit. We were talking before we started the podcast about Igalo and how cool he is um, and how he still had a bit of work to do against Bournemouth and he still had a bit of work to do in the goal at, at Newcastle where he had to take it around the keeper. He just looks so cool, and, and George, you said you know he's got ice in his uh, ice in his veins. That's a man who hasn't stopped scoring for about fourteen years solid, mm. and he knows it just does it. It's instinct, um, and it's not quite there for the rest of them. And I think once 
a few of the other guys have started hitting the back of the net. I think they'll get that that scoring feeling. They get a bit of their mojo back, and and we do need it because we've talked a lot about Bournemouth, which is perhaps inevitable. But they've suffered ridiculously with their injuries, and 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 the rivalry aside, losing Wilson is a massive blow. And you can't help but think, what happens if we lose Deeney? What happens if we lose Igalo, or someone equally pivotal? And you know that your season does change on, on moments like that. So we do need to be prepared to. Um, have people who can score, and how we're going to work the how we're going to work these openings when it works well. Dini Inigalo is fearsome. It is so good, and I just love watching the tussle. And any defender comes off knowing they've been in a massive battle with those two. You've got Troy giving them absolute hell. Doesn't matter who they are, whether they're won the World Cup or or the JPT or they or they're whatever. He will give anyone a run for their money. And then we talked about Inigalo who can finish. But in the first part of the podcast, we did, you know, Jordy did talk about the fact that <clears throat> it almost seemed like um, Palace had removed Dini from the the equation because if you remove Dini, you you don't necessarily have the best Igalo. But <clears throat> off each of you, I want one thing you would change, add to, do differently. So Watford scored just a few more goals. What's the one thing you would change? Where are the few more goals to make us feel comfortable but not demanding of I'll go first in case these two nick my answer <laughs> <laughs> That's my job yeah. Mike where where would where do we going to go I want to see Ekechianya have the courage of his convictions I think he's quick skillful and as a footballer he can shoot because if you can kick a ball you can shoot get up there enjoy the space that you are afforded in this division if you get a bit of space Use it. If you see an opportunity to shoot, hit it. I want to see him. He's he's been great this year. I think he's been used in a couple of different guises. As has been his career with Watford so far, and I think he's he's changed a lot of people's opinion of of him this year. He's done he's done really well. But I want to see him at, at Bournemouth. He was kind of unshackled from his defensive duties, and I thought, right, this is an option for us to see the Akechianya that as uh, I think Jordi mentioned earlier that plays for Germany. Bounding down the wing, making a nuisance of himself. Played Germany. Um, against <laughs> the Scotland, yeah. Sorry, Akechi. Sorry, Akechi. I sat behind his brother at, um, at Bournemouth. Couldn't, couldn't see much. Couldn't see much. I did offer him my hat. So, yeah, that, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him develop into the player that I think we think he is and that we hope he is. Yeah. And, and to just deliver a little bit more. And I think it's about belief with him which is ironic, judging by most of his tweets, because he has got <laughs> strong belief, as we know. But just courage your convictions, catch. If you see a gap, go for it. If you see a shooting opportunity, take it. Jason? Before I start, Mike, that made me laugh, because Germany's probably about the only nation that Ikechenia isn't <laughs> qualified to play for. Yeah, <laughs> um, with, I think we, I don't think we have an out-and-out winger, and I think we need one um, to add to our armoury up front. I think the players we have are always looking to cut inside those that are playing wide. So, Gerardo, there's talent in them boots. He's a quality player, and he probably can do that. He probably can go wide and go round the man. Abdi, he's obviously playing up there at the moment. I think he's always looking to cut inside because naturally he's a more central player. I just think we need someone who's prepared to, to go wide. And they always say, defend narrow, attack wide. And I think, yeah, some some width in our attacking play and a natural winger in that three behind the striker would give us uh, more variety 
uh, up front and make the defenders think more. <coughs> Geordie. Uh, for me, set pieces. I think um, we've we've invested, relative to Watford's history, quite a lot of money in this squad. But if you look at some of the players we're up against, they invest a lot more on players they don't even put on the bench. Uh, and one point where it's less about your first touch and your footballing ability, and it's more, not pot luck, but teams who aren't as good can make more out of set pieces. And a goal that's scored from a corner is as good as a goal that's you know a 50, 50 man move I think Jason and I were talking about whether or not our corners now seen as the first line of defence because if you do a good corner what we traditionally call a good corner in the mixer and the keeper gets it he can then distribute it and you're only defending a counter attack but for me that the other positions still have to come 50 yards you can always do a little tactical foul I mean, who was it Chaplow scored it to get Fripswich didn't he yeah. in the last minute and that hits us and potentially costs us a league so maybe I you know shouldn't be saying this but for me, I think if we if we if we're not going to create a lot of chances, if we're going to be predominantly defensive, when we do get a chance to put the ball in the box, we cannot be hitting the first man. I think if you're a Sun, if you're playing Sunday League, which was the level I got to, you know, and, and, and you put in a corner under sevens, uh, <laughs> under thirty sevens until my knee went. I think I think you can't you'd get you'd get told off by your teammates if you're wasting corners after they're all run up. And I think people like Prodal, you know, uh, we got Neom who seems to stay back a lot when we have corners, but maybe he could go forward. Um, you know, uh, Cathcart and stuff. We've got um, Dini. We've got people who could get in the mix there. And, and anything that drops, if it drops anywhere near Igalo, then they might as well just start running back for the kickoff because it's going to go in. So I just think I think that's where we can we can learn a bit. There were, there were signs of better uses of set play, I think, against Bournemouth. I think yeah. uh, Watson hitting the, hitting the bar came yeah, from exactly. A, um, exactly what you were talking about there. And I think it does sound basic. Hit clear in the first man. I think Gerardo was was guilty particularly in the earlier game I think we missed him against Bournemouth actually in terms of a bit of creativity a bit of uh, a bit of just being comfortable on the ball and being able to spread it around and perhaps beat a man and buy a bit of space I think we I think we actually missed him on Saturday and I know he's coming for quite a bit of criticism perhaps understandably so not beating the first man from countless free kicks and so on and so forth the thing is I think there's this there is this modern tactic I don't think it's just a Watford thing I think a lot of clubs yeah a lot of clubs are doing that they, they are just trying to Go for that near post flick on. Um, they come off. They're amazing. They're almost impossible to defend. As, as Graham Taylor once said, you cannot defend against a well executed set piece. It is impossible to defend against. And yeah, if you get that near post flick on, then yeah, it, it's really hard to react to. That's the thing. You've got less reaction time than from a corner that's coming from another sort of 20, 30 yards. Well, ironically, I think against Palace, we got one through. I think it was Palace. And there's no one there. Mm. No one had gambled on it. And it, it just came to nothing. It just flashed across the goal. And I don't think we even came close to converting it. So that was the frustrating thing about me. I know why we're trying to do it, yeah. because it causes absolute mayhem whenever it happens. But then for for one to sneak through and nothing to happen, not even a half chance, yeah, annoying. Yeah, then that's a badly executed one, then, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> no one's attacking the, the yeah. back post. I think, I think you talk about Gerardo coming in for criticism. I think I think the, the reason he's coming for a lot of criticism is it's kind of too, well, manyfold, but... Primarily, I think he Manifold, was. Yeah, Man, yeah, yes, <laughs> if he's an old enough, um, he the expectation was probably highest from him because he'd come from you know, pedigree. Flores had asked for him. He was costing this money, and it was almost like, well, he's going to be our version of David Silva or Cazorla or Iniesta. You know, he's going to be our equivalent, and we need to kind of take a reality check. And he's he's, he's come to Watford, and he's not playing in the Champions League, and there's probably a reason why he's not playing in the Champions League. And it, I've had mixed reports from him from people in Spain. Um, and and they're, they're bang on, you know. The talent is there, you can see, but the application and the mental strength, it isn't necessarily always there. 
and I think that's you know we. I think one of the things, well, saying manifold, <laughs> as Mike was saying, <laughs> where where I think fans can say, okay, maybe we'll take him a couple of months to settle into a new style of football, new country, and all these things. A corner doesn't matter whether in Russia, Germany, or Spain is the same, uh, and and so yes, you can say, well, it's more physical, it's faster, you know, doesn't speak the language, whatever the issues are that, that struggle with integration immediately, but there's no excuse for not being able to get a corner in, and we and he, and obviously when you hit the bar. He showed he can he can whip a ball in, so that, do it more. That, do it more. Do it. Do it first, and then do it, <laughs> yeah, more. do it more. So let it catch you off the leash. Yeah, yeah. catch you off the leash. Get, get wit and make the best use of our, our uh, set pieces. Does that answer your question, John? I think that's the the, the set uh, thing to do. I don't know if uh, QSF uh, watches uh, Periscope. He's over it. <laughs> Is he? Oh, he's all over. Did you hear him in the, in the um, press conference? No, he's talking about it, watching the last one on the podcast. <laughs> A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. It's time for us to uh, have a catch up with Lionel Burney. Uh, Mike and I caught up with him just before the Crystal Palace game to talk about another book about Watford Football Club. It wouldn't be a run up to Christmas and putting on your Christmas list. <laughs> run up to Christmas. Yeah. Lionel Burney's here with us. Uh, Lionel, you, you know, it's your seventh Watford book. Uh, and every year we've done the From the Rookery End, you, you put a book out, and it's been perfect. My mother-in-law knows exactly where to go uh, and what to get me for Christmas. So. You've got the same book for the last five years, though. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny, your mother-in-law got in touch with me about five years ago and said, could you just help me out? I'm quite a hard person to buy a Christmas present for. All I can say is I'm glad my mother-in-law didn't get in touch, because it would be having a very different conversation, I'm sure. Uh, Lionel Bell is with us. Uh, Lionel, the fourth tale from the vicarage is out. Um, uh, fourth edition. Uh, how is how this different from the from the, the previous three brilliant volumes? It's a solo project basically. The first two books were a collaboration of different writers. The third book was myself and Adam Leventhal, Watford supporter, who works for Sky Sports News. And um, just we want to keep the format evolving rather than standing still. We'll definitely go back to the collaborative thing for maybe volume five or six or further down the line. But for this year, I just wanted to do. Well, I kind of had a long list of different stories I wanted to look at, and I chose ten of them. Um, and so, yeah, it's a solo project this time. I've, I've broken away from the band. <laughs> solo project. How one direction must feel in the next couple of months. <laughs> um, but that's what I love. That's my favourite thing about these books. I mean, um, I loved reading, enjoy the game because it told a complete story. Um, I loved the hundred. I, you know what, I'm not quite sure if I've read all 100 games in the Watford 100 Greatest Games yet. Because I flick back and forth and I go back to games yeah. all over the place. It's, it's a lot of visits to the toilet, that book. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest, that, that's what it was conceived for. You know, that's a, I've got toilet books, every man has. I thought, there isn't a Watford toilet book that, you know, really does the job. So it's the Andrex of, of Watford toilet books, I think. That's not on the jacket, Lionel. Uh, <laughs> But there's, there's each of these chapters, you have to read this book in order, you can sort of flick around the chapters. Uh, in fact, the last book with the interviews, I've, I went and read the chapters I wanted first, the people I wanted to listen to first, but then were surprised. Actually, the, what I thought would be my less interested players in the interview you did, like Micah Hyde. That was actually one of my favourite chapters, to learn a bit more about him. Uh, but the new book um, sort of has a focus a little bit on promotion. Mm. Yeah, if there is a theme, it's aspiration and the top flight and being amongst the elite and trying to stay amongst the elite and obviously we've been on this journey the last three years 
um, trying to get into the Premier League. We've now done it. Um, and the big job now is to stay in the division. It's all very well getting up. We did that in 1999, we did that in 2006, and we came straight back down again. Um, you know, it's a couple of generations now since Watford managed to retain top flight status. So the club as a whole, I mean, it's transformed since I first met you four or five years ago. I mean, when we were talking then, there was a real sort of undercurrent of sort of just clinging on to championship status. The ground was basically three-sided, falling to bits. So many things needed improving and you couldn't see us ever reaching this point. But now that we've made it, and particularly the way the sort of business structure seems to work around the club, there's a genuine optimism that we're not just going to be kind of relegation fodder from the off. And, and the season has started well enough to give me that encouragement that we, we might have a fighting chance. Is 1999 more fun though? I think for me, because of the age I was then, I was sort of mid-twenties and, you know, back in the 80s, I was too young to go on all the away trips with friends. I went with, you know, on some with my dad, but... 99 felt like the culmination of the most incredible and most unlikely journey, didn't it? We never expected two, two or three years before that, when we were in what is now League One, that in a couple of years' time we'll be winning at Anfield. So it, it was an incredible emotional journey, roller coaster. I don't like using the word journey, it sounds a bit X Factor, doesn't it? <laughs> but it, it kind of works in this context. This time, the expectation levels have been raised right from the minute that the Pozzos came in, got rid of Sean Dyche and brought in Gianfranco Zola. The destination has been on the, you know, it's been on the platform, on the sort of the board. We, we all know where we wanted to get to. We just didn't know which train we'd be boarding to get there. No one knows which train they're ever getting, Lionel, I think, if we're talking metaphors for luck. When we went under AD Boothroyd, there was that element of, of joy, I guess, as well, because it was so unexpected. Now... Don't take this the wrong way, but I think you're probably a decent critical friend for Watford. Is that a fair way to sum up your supporters? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, um, you know, I don't sort of plunge in head first with every sort of new yeah. development. I was relatively sceptical about the Pozzos at the start because I couldn't see why anyone with a successful track record in business would want to own a mostly <laughs> loss-making championship football club. Well, the same reason that similar uh, sensible people would ever start supporting football in the first place, yes. <laughs> Yeah, there is that. I mean, really, we've, we've kind of we've kind of chosen our position in life, haven't we, by being Watford supporters. You know, we're we're kind of blessed with it and lumbered with it all at the same time. Lying it, yeah, quite. But but bearing that in mind, so we're, we're now in the Premier League for for the third time in in recent footballing history, if you like to put it like that. How do you feel about it, having having seen a lot of Watford football, having having experienced pretty much all that is great about the club? And also a lot of what is what has been terrible over the over the last couple of years. How what's your what's your gut feeling now? What has heartened me most is seeing that a lot of the things that are Watford to me have been retained. You know the way they've transformed the stadium in the last sort of twelve months. I couldn't have wished for that. I mean, just the, the lightness of touch. You know, the the signage is all consistent and nice. They've got all the photographs of the Graham Taylor era up in the Graham Taylor stand. There's other photographs around other parts of the ground. The signage on the each of the uh, you know on the roof of the new Elton John stand is you know glorious. The improvements they've made to our home environment. You know, they've really come in and done a, a sort of changing rooms job on it and made it a place to feel proud of. And that is something that goes an awful long way because 
They haven't just come in with a goal of getting to the Premier League, banking the cash and clearing off again. If they do do that, and I'm not for one minute suggesting they will, but they've actually improved the club. And so that, that has to go down in the positive column to great credit. I mean, in the time I've been watching Watford, you know, they're coming, rivalling Elton John, really, for the impact that they've made on the club as a whole. They're, they're not just trying to create a team that belongs in the Premier League. They're creating a club and an environment that belongs in the Premier League. And as someone who, you know, I'm a real sort of stick in the mud, I think Watford would lose something if we ever moved away from Vicarage Road. Now, we might do that one day. You never know when we're in the Champions League and it's just too small for us. OK, I'll grudgingly go to the, uh, the Pozzo Dome, wherever they put it. So, to answer your question, how I feel about it is, at the moment, overwhelmingly positive. But it's always results-based, isn't it? We've had two good wins in consecutive weeks. Everyone's upbeat. And uh, Stuart Hutchison, a very good friend of mine, contributed to one of the volumes of Tales from the Vicarage. He said, come on, we're getting too old for all of this kind of like, let's cling on to our lower division, sort of bottom of the championship roots. You know, let's just get in the Premier League and enjoy it and stay in there as long as we possibly can. So how, how do we enjoy it? How do we make sure we stay and get established? Well, by being competitive and... Uh, taking it one game at a time and all of those other cliches but I think the moment where um, it turned for me was against Swansea when we played the first half just much more expansive and looking much more ambitious than we had done against West Brom and against Southampton and Sanchez Flores had said we've spent 10 days working on going forwards because prior to that point I was worried we were going to try and nil-nil our way to safety and I, that didn't sound very appealing or look very appealing to me at all but uh, the Premier League changes every week that's the big problem with it four weeks ago a 2-0 defeat of Manchester City looked like well that's a, that's a good damage limitation result you know now after they've lost to West Ham and Tottenham the worst team on the planet um, you know it doesn't look quite in, in the same context but how do we enjoy it how do we by being competitive and, and just you know bloodying a few noses you know we've got Arsenal in a couple of weeks on the TV you know let's let's beat one of the, the top dogs but let's not kind of get hopefully let's not get into the groove that we got into in 99 2000 and 2006-7 where it became a relentless slog all the way through the winter and you couldn't see where the next win was coming from well I remember that there's a, a bit in the, in the new book in the chapter um, going up staying up where you say there was a run um, in 06-07 where we lost a lot of games 1-0 mm. but that sort of kept hope because we weren't losing 4-0 and 5-0 yeah. we were like we'll load a 1-0 but at this moment that, that I don't have that I'm not saying it's not going to happen no. but that's, that's less likely to happen than I think than it was previously I, mean, I spoke to Jay Demerit for that chapter and, and he said the hardest thing was you put everything into the game you give it everything you've got and you come out of it with nothing and you've been kind of unlucky. I mean, he, he talked specifically about losing at home to Chelsea, 1-0. Solomon Kalou scored in like the 93rd minute or something. There were some other games where we should have won. I think Fulham at home with a three-all draw should have won that. Sheffield United was the worst game, of, one of the worst games I've ever seen. We probably should have won that. And you kind of get, oh, we were unlucky. If we can just, you know, maybe we'll be okay. And it's like sort of trying to crawl up a wall on your fingertips. You're never quite able to make the progress. But this team, I mean, there's no real comparison because the quality in it is, you know, already six, six weeks in, you can see there's some really quality players. Um, and they have the, 
potential to win matches and that's all you want really isn't it you want to be able to go like today we're an hour before the Crystal Palace match and we want to think to ourselves we've got a good chance of winning this and we really have we're not, we're not saying oh we could win this if this and if this and if this actually no, we could actually go and win this game we? Yeah. I think I think that's right I mean, we come, you mentioned the, the early games where we're coming away thinking if that had happened we might have got a result and that was when alarm bells started to ring for me because it just reminded me of the, of the previous visit under Boothward and, and Graham Taylor but you sound very positive which is great to hear if you you're going to be writing more books you're going to be writing more chapters what chapter do you want to write about Watford in the near future and what chapter do you think you'll write about Watford in the near future? Well, at some point, the story of uh, Lawrence Bassini has to be told. Uh, I've got to invest in some legal advice for that one. Um, that would, that's something I want to look at and at some point. And the safe. And the safe, yeah. What was in it, you know. You know have, what's in it now, I mean. Um, More than was then, perhaps, I'd suggest. Um, I think one of the chapters I want, to, I want to write, I allude to in this book, I wrote a chapter called Dreaming of Walwick, which is a bit of an esoteric chapter title. Walwick is a Dutch first division team. I think they're still in the top flight. Um, they're the sort of Europa League qualifying stage fodder, or back in the day, the uh, Intertoto Cup fodder. Now, I personally missed out on the UEFA Cup run in 1983, just, just too young to go to those games. I really want to see Watford in Europe. I don't care if it starts on June the 28th in Slovenia, <laughs> I will interrupt your honeymoon to get there. I'll be, yeah, I mean, the Tour de France I cover for um, uh, the Cycling Podcast and the Sunday Times in July. I will be making day trips to, you know, Bratislava or Turkey or wherever. I want to I look on. I want to I get to a cup final. I want to have a chance of winning a cup final, League Cup or FA Cup. Don't mind which. Um, Art Senior Cup. Part senior cup, yeah. It's been a while, it's been a while. You know. started going to those games and good grief, it's tested our patience. Well, yeah, I can see why. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I think the draw was made this week. Yeah, we, we get by in round one and right. we either playing Burko or. Hel- no. Burkenfield or Kings Langley. Yeah, that's it. In the, in the yeah, second round. I mean, this is, this is big, big, big news. Um, may see you there if. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we can. Being. I don't want to become like Leicester or Stoke or Bolton when they were under Allardyce, that kind of like treating the Cups with a real contempt and like even West Ham, you know, seeing the Europa League as, as a kind of inconvenience in their quest to try and qualify for next year's Europa League. You know, it's just football has gone preposterous in a lot of ways. I'd like to get into the Euro- Europa League, have a real good crack, get through the group stage, get into the knockouts and you know, do a Fulham. It's interesting you say that because I was apoplectic when we got knocked out of the Capital One Cup. I thought that's a chance for us to get to Wembley. I'm really annoyed, not just that we haven't given it a good go, but I'm also annoyed with how easily that Watford fans accepted it because I thought you only believe it's a, a nonsense cup because you're told it is. It's silverware, it's Wembley, it's a potential route into Europe. That said, the week after, the, this week, isn't it? I was thinking, well, we didn't have to play midweek. That's not a bad thing, is it? So, is there a danger as us as supporters, even sort of, I like to think I'm quite level-headed and sensible, drifting into that Premier League mindset and before you know it, you're, you're in that place where you hope you'd, we're not going to be? Yeah, I think, you, you know, you've got to take it one step at a time. That first game up at Preston came so early. We, we, we had no idea, you know, how things were going to pan out. I mean, we still don't really. But, you know, once we've established ourselves a bit, 
got a foothold. Perhaps if in January we look like, OK, we're, we're OK, we've got our heads above water, take the FA Cup seriously. I would love a good cup run, get to a semi-final, you know, maybe even a final. You know, why not? We've got players who can, who can really, if they buy into something... They, they could go on a great run and, and that's what it's all about you know I know the cliche about the game is about glory but it, but it really is what do you remember most do you remember the great days you don't remember well we'd, we'd ground out a couple of good draws at Stoke and, and we finished 15th that would be fantastic by the way but you know you've got to aspire to more than that and that's what the book's about aspiration and, and that uh, we, how can we get hold of it uh, in the Hornet shop at the Hornet shop online or from talesfrom.com Thanks to uh, Lionel, and uh, here's to more books about more amazing Watford moments. From the rookery end. Eight games into the season, eight games under the stewardship of one Kike Sanchez Flores. Did I say that right, Jordi, with your Spanish uh, expertise? You did it right. <laughs> Here you do it, Jordi, quickly. Uh, Kike Sanchez Flores. No, I've done it right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting to do that. I was too. Um, Kike, yeah, si. Sanchez, yeah. Flores. Put it all together. Kike, Sanchez, Flores. There we go. How's he doing, Michael? How is how, how's he? How is he for you? What for the sat mid table? He's doing very well. One thing I do like it, uh, about him uh, over the last sort of couple of weeks, we've grown to be able to read between the lines with with what he says about players. Um, and I think with the players that he likes and the players he's fond of and the players he sees have a future at Watford, he's usually very glowing about them, whether they've featured or or not. And I think it's become apparent that there's certain players on the periphery who haven't featured, uh, and he's been quite blunt about them, saying basically they're not good enough or they haven't been performing well enough in previous games in training. And I quite like that about him. I think it shows that he's very definitive in his views um, he's drawing pretty firm battle lines, if you like, and you could view it as as a challenge to those players. Like, if you want to play in my in my in my team, if you want to play in this Premier League team, you you roll your sleeves up, you fall in line, and you work hard for this football club. And I like that because that's what Watford are going to need. We need everyone's shoulder to the wheel. We've, we've talked about um, off mic about um, what we've got coming up over Christmas. The next game's Arsenal. It's tough, really, really tough. So we need everyone fully on message and I quite like the fact that he's making these noises that players who aren't on message perhaps Holobas is the, is the most obvious example and more recently Burkhouse has come in for a little bit of thinly veiled criticism if, they, if you know if you're far arsing around in training you might as well not be there because that's not they're not the sort of players we need so I like that about him I think um, perhaps some of the other chaps will talk about some of the criticism about him being too negative um, setting up um, not not to lose as opposed to winning games, but for me, we're in mid-table. He's proving to be a strong man manager, as, manager as far as I can tell. So you've got to be happy with him. He looks pretty awesome as well. Anyone who can wear sort of trainers with like smart trousers, anyone who can pull that off, is is fine by me. He's wearing, he's wearing jacket, but he's he's not wearing a shirt and tie. He's he is he's like the fonds of the Premier League football managers. We joke about that, but. With the media frenzy that is the Premier League, to have a suave, well-presented, sartorially elegant, well-spoken manager is a good thing. I think he presents himself well, and we saw—I uh, can't remember what game it was after. It might be in the Swansea game where he had that chat with Gary Lineker uh, on Match of the Day, and there was that tweet that went out about them speaking in in Spanish, and and he just—he's very sort of affable, likable. 
guy, very relaxed. Um, he's not. You look at let's say Nigel Pearson last year, who did a good job keeping Leicester up, but no one cared about that. Everyone banging on about the little ruck he had on the sideline. I can't remember which player it was. It was yeah, it made, yeah, made it from Hull, yeah. Um, and then there was uh, the, his mad press conference when he said the journalist said he was an ostrich because <laughs> he had in the sand of the time. And, and you can't see you can't see Kike getting flustered like that when when we hit a bad patch because I'm sure we will have a run where we we don't win for a long time and, and we lose a few games. He will not get flustered, and and that's a good thing. So we like his fashion. We like his. Uh... Sorting the men out. Tactically though, Jason, what are we thinking about him? Tactically, um, well, we, we've sort of discussed that anyway. And he has his beliefs. He, well, we've seen Allardyce come in to Sunderland today. Um, and we know he has his beliefs. And he had his beliefs at West Ham. And it got them out of the Championship. And it turned them into a solid Premier League club. Uh, and that's what we want to be, a solid Premier League club. So that's that's the remit he's got. Uh, and he has his way of doing it, and he's sticking to it. So better that at this early stage where, uh, and again, we've said it before, we, we see where we are on the table, we've seen the results, we should be happy with, with, with that, what we've got, and it's working so far. So there's there's no reason, I don't think, to question, even though we, we've we talked about this perceived lack of goals uh, or the way we play and wanting to be more attacking, what's happened so far is working. So I, it's, I don't think we should be questioning tactically what he's doing so far. Let's think about the future, Geordie. Mm. Let's think about the next four games at least. Arsenal at home. Stoke away. West Ham at home on Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> and Leicester, Leicester away. How do you reckon he's going to do over the next month? Uh, well, I mean, if he's nothing if not consistent. He's got his preferred... Formation. He's got his preferred players in those positions, and unless someone like Harada gets injured and he has to bring someone else in, or you know, we know Barami was suspended, he had to bring Watson in. I don't really see he's going to do a lot different. Um, it's easy for us to say, well, you could have done that, or you could have done this, or you could have done the other. If he did chop and change, people would be saying, where's the consistency? He's come out and he's he's built a team from the back, and he's done it very well. Whether we just happen to have very good defenders, or he has created that cohesion, we have to give him the credit for it. I think to Mike's point, where he's, you know, Holobas, um, it's still early days. Who knows? Holobas could turn over a new leaf and become a star by January. Who knows? Yeah. He might not. But uh, we are a little old Watford. But this guy, you know, his family's history is well documented. No prima donna is going to get away with anything in Watford because he's got a theatric family, theatrical <laughs> family with his, 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 um, his aunt was like the, the biggest star in Spain. He's, he's, his godfather's Di Stefano. So no one's going to come here and start, you know, pushing them, pushing them around. And uh, it, I think what Holobas' mistake is, he's given Sanchez Flores the opportunity to demonstrate his authority. And I think every manager want, looks to either make a change or to stamp their authority somewhere. And Holobas has given the opportunity. Burkhouse, I'm not too bothered about because I didn't know whether he was going to come in and, and light everyone up. And if he's not, if it takes him a year to get good, he's still young. And that's the, that's the Pozzo model. Uh, Holobas kind of you hoped when you heard he kept Ashley Cole at the team he played for Greece he played for Rome you're thinking wow excellent but we've got a thing with left backs you know Sietes <laughs> Holobas you know they they kind of you know we, we, we find it very difficult to find one that sticks so uh, so far I'm happy and I think going for the future I don't really think the next four games are going to be hugely different from what we've seen so we, did, we did a little periscope and one of the questions which I thought was fascinating was will um, Sanchez Flores 
deal with Arsenal different than he did with Man City? Will he set up differently to that? What do you guys think about that? Well, Arsenal's at home, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a, that's straight away a different thing. Um, and Man City are more of a rampaging kind of team, aren't they? So I, I can understand why he set up and it worked until we had a little lapse seconds into the second half, which basically unravelled us completely because our game plan wasn't valid anymore. Um, I think we, I think I don't think we're going to go gung ho against Arsenal. Um, whether we go, I don't think we go necessarily go quite so defensive. I think we'll treat Arsenal the same way we probably treated Palace and we treated everyone else. Is respect them, go out with our game plan. Um, just hopefully we do some more set pieces. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. I think I think he'd start the same. I think he would set up with that solid defensive outlook first of all, stop them from from scoring. And we know how Arsenal play. It is it's they're probably it's probably the the most well-known tactic Arsenal. Everyone knows they like to pass it into the back of the net. Um and I think we can cope with that and he, and he will he will have seen that and he will know that. And I think he will feel confident that he can stop them from playing that way. And it's then acting upon their frailties and knowing where they struggle and setting up our counter-attacks to, to try and defeat them. But I think that the, the, the start will be the same. It will be not concede, stop them from scoring, being compact, being tight, not giving them the space to be able to pass the ball into the back of the quickly, net. They will, they yeah. Start, they'll start yeah. quickly. Yeah. To knock us out of our stride and be... And feasibly, it could be three 0 down. You know, anyone could be three 0 down after half an hour like against Manchester United against Arsenal. Example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but that's the point. Though. I think I think everyone living in, in near near Watford knows Arsenal fans, and they, and they they are a fickle old bunch. You know, some are hating Wenger, some love him. It changes whether they've just beaten Ars- uh, May United or whether they've lost to Olympiacos. It kind of flip flop, you know, and Arsenal flip flop. And you just wonder, you know, if if we can keep them quiet, if we can, you know, it, to be honest, I'll take a draw. That's so true. basically, if we just if we park the bus, uh, you know, for ninety minutes and get come out with a nil nil, I'm not going to demand my money back. You know, that, I'll be happy with that. I think I think we need to look at the bigger picture, and that's that's a morale boosting result. Really, anything that isn't that doesn't that doesn't sap morale will do me. We don't want to get turned over four nil by anyone. And I think Man City, we could accept two nil. I think that wasn't a bad result uh, the way they were going at the time. At home, though, I don't want us to suddenly to get. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of Arsenal fans there. Um, you, know, you just want to give us something that we can kind of hold our heads up when we see our Arsenal friends. Well, I've, I've got I've worked with an Arsenal fan. He was more excited about this as a game to go to, mm. maybe because he only has to walk to the game. <laughs> he was just didn't want to spend hours on the on the on the train. Um, it's second chance against a big team. We don't. It, it's the only big big team we've got coming up in this small little patch, and that's what I quite like about our season. Apart from Christmas, where we've got the uh, run of hell, and um, we. Uh, games against the big boys sort of spread out quite nicely. Um, I want to see something different, but not massively different from that Man City game. I think um, we need to. We need because, to... but I think we are different from then because since then we've won some games, but we are. Uh, you know, it, that was at the end of that first section of games that we we played, and in that set of games we were all defensive and there's nothing going forward. That's starting to develop. And you never know. Let's take some opportunities that might arise with Arsenal if we uh, keep them back for a good 50, 60 minutes. I think you're right to want to see. I don't. Think, um, I think we, we we're right to expect to see more from from Watford because from the first couple of games, um, West Brom, Southampton, we got points. We did all right, but we I think we consoled ourselves with the fact that this team is going to get better because they're out there. They're fairly new as a group. They haven't played much competitive football together. They still haven't. 
um, under the coach. You know, there's teams who have played together for, for, for years and years under managers for, for long periods of time. We're, we're still very, very much in the infancy in a very new surrounding. So, but we do need to get better incrementally. So I think you're absolutely right to expect a little bit more from our performance at, at home to Arsenal. We did it against Man City. And then really, we've talked a lot about Arsenal, which is understandable because that's the, one of the reasons we want to get promoted so we can play these sort of games. And it's kind of like a... It's all. It's a derby, basically, isn't it? Because it's so close. Um, but then Leicester, Stoke, West Ham—they're the games that are going to. They're the games that are really going to define our season. We absolutely must improve. Um, give you that little bit more, John. That little bit something more different, so we get a sufficient amount of points out of that. Because all of a sudden, that'll be twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen games gone. And how many points you've got at the end of of that period? If you've still got thirteen points. It's going to be very, very difficult moving into into Christmas. So we absolutely have to. I think the original question was how Flores doing. He's doing. I think he's doing very well. We, if we said we could be where we're at doing this podcast, we'd all be happy. But we can't stand still, and he has to keep improving. The team has to keep improving. The squad has to keep improving. Um, and you're right, John, to want more. Um, and we need to see that 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 improvement makes it sound like we haven't been doing well. But mm. we we just have to keep getting better because that's what I think we all hope for. Um, I think that we've still got. The, there's definitely the talent there. There's players like Gerardo. Who I hope are going to get much better. Going to find their feet. Um, there's more to come from this Watford squad, which is exciting, but it's also really nerve-wracking as well. Because now's the time. We have to do it now. You know, Stoke away. Can we? Can we pick up a win? Can we get a draw? We have to. We have to get draws at places like that. Leicester is going to be very, very difficult. But really, we need to be putting in performances and taking something from them. And yeah, absolutely fascinating. But. Um, Got to get, keep getting better, ultimately. Well, we will uh, see what happens over these next four games. Uh, we are big boys and some middle boys and some little boys, uh, but we will do our best. Which are the big, middle and little ones? Is that I'll make you... Uh, <laughs> make <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, do your own clues, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening again. Remember, uh, do just subscribe via iTunes, either to this stream of podcasts, which is our story of the season, uh, as well as our little short podcast that we do uh, every so often, called Red or Black Shorts. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Come on, yawns! <laughs>